welcome to another episode of the Fan the Flames football podcast. This intro is not robbed by a uh, teammate of mine, uh, Kyle Griesinger, um, but uh, the whole squad's here. <laughs> um, um, I'm happy to have all three of you guys on the pod with me. Um, yeah, we're going to get right into it with the Arkansas game. Uh, first, my thoughts, what I talked about um, on Sunday on the spaces. It was a very small Twitter spaces. We did have Zach Green. Shout out to Zach Green hopping on and giving his thoughts. Um, and James was unable to make it. So this is part is mostly for James as well to give his thoughts that we have not yet to hear. Um, yeah. So, again, 2119, uh, as I told Jeremiah and these these guys just here, Jeremiah, James, Kyle, uh, on Saturday, I I was so flustered towards the end. I was like, oh, no, here we go. Here we go. Just because of our defense, um, as phenomenal as they've played um, all year, plus against Arkansas, you could tell that they were very, very tired. And it just seemed like, you know, Everything was starting to go Arkansas's way, despite how terrible their offensive line was still looking at that point. It just seemed like they just – I was like, okay, here we go. And our just our whole defensive backfield just felt like they were just ready to have the game to be done and get it over with. And then it took a trio of – what was it? Kendi Charles along with, uh, of course, Steven Sings and Ahmad Walker – to stop KJ Jefferson in the goal line. What, or, was it Kendi or Dennis? It might be Dennis. I, th- I can't I thought remember. It was either what, either way, both of them played out of their minds on Absolutely. Saturday. So, um, yeah, so that was great. Very happy for this team. JB again had a uh, a very solid game. Uh, again, coach came out and kind of said that he he was unsure about maybe going for the field goal compared to. Uh, going forward on fourth down, I'm typically someone who will go for the win. But now since we're, it feels like we're playing for something, even though we're not, it's like, man, I just want to get the points, you know, especially when it came down to a two point game, you know, let's say, you know, they do get those two points and you do win by those three points and you don't have to worry about um, anything but an onside kick, um, which they still had to worry about, obviously. Um, but with all that being said, I was very pleased. Um, there was, I'm not someone who no, typically uh, criticizes play calling, but um, I can a little bit in this situation just because of how second half with our offensive, it just didn't seem like we were clicking as much in the first half. And that might just be Arkansas with them being a SEC defense adjusting to an offense that is inconsistent at times uh, a lot of talent and jb's continuing to develop and i really see a lot of promise out of him and the potential that i had seen out of him and thought of him before the preseason you're starting to see a lot of flashes of that and more consistency however with that being said um yeah it was a it was a good win obviously and um you know um does that win actually matter? Um, we'll talk about that, that at the end of the podcast um, because we have some thoughts about a recent uh, recent news that just came out. Um, so, and I guess you guys can kind of see where that premise is going if you're listening right now. Um, James, 
you're up because we did not hear your beautiful voice on Sunday. You were splish plashing in a pool or maybe you were playing billiards. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, um, I am in the same boat as you just said. I felt like the first half went great. Um, obviously, I, I almost tweeted this and I probably should have. I said my thoughts were I couldn't have imagined a better first half except where Day Day doesn't get hurt. Um, like they just played out of their minds. Like JB played well. The defense, like goodness gracious, three points. Come on. And those three points were just on some fluke uh, <laughs> place on the, on the last drive. Those just great catches. Um, so love the first half, second half. Um, yeah, I kind of didn't like the play calling. Um, I've said this multiple times about the Falcons and the Super Bowl uh, when Kyle Shanahan was calling plays. They got passive and they started running. Like that's why the Patriots were able to come back, and that's honestly why Arkansas was able to come back because our defense was on the field a lot of the second half because we just ran the ball a lot, um, which I don't mind. I don't mind the thought behind it. I hate that once it didn't work, we didn't go back to how we were calling it in the first half. Um, so am I, am I mad that we, am I mad like that we did that? No. Cause we still got the win. Obviously if we had lost, I'd have even worse feelings on it, but like it, it just wasn't, it, it, it made me a little upset because like, dang, now our defense is tired and now they're running up the score in the fourth quarter. Cause realistically our defense, even in the third quarter played out of their minds. The only points they scored in the third quarter were two points on that blocked punt. Um, for safety. So like our defense played well for three quarters of the game and then they were just worn out. Um, the defensive line, the whole game, like we, like I said last week during the podcast with uh, Zach and Chris, like they were saying their offensive line was going to dominate. And it's like, I said, I don't think so. I think our D line is that good. Um, so, and they did all game, even, even on the last couple drives, the issue was, is um, if they miss a tackle, KJ got outside the pocket and there was somebody open or he was able to run off run because our secondary was just so tired they couldn't they couldn't get there um so love the game defensively obviously fourth quarter it sucks but i'm not going to complain because like they were tired and they still made the they still made the play that won the game like Ahmad walker um i think it was Dennis sagadi and steven sings like stood the man up like I, I love how they stood KJ up there and kept him out of the end zone. And then Bollinger with the uh, onside kick recovery. It was fantastic. Um, going forward, I don't think I have any concerns really with how the defensive defense played. I think I want to see the offense play a complete game again. But, like, I think my biggest concern is just Day-Day. Um, I don't think we've heard any news on him yet. Um, so, I'm – uh, just interested to see where everything goes. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you were raising your hand like you were in class, so you're up yeah. next, my guy. Yeah, no, I just wanted to comment on uh, Day Day. Um, I have some uh, friends who are uh, pretty close with him, and uh, he was feeling he was feeling pretty good on Sunday. I was I heard, and he went in. I think he got an MRI yesterday, the day before. Yesterday today, I can't remember which one, but um, he didn't go in for an MRI. I haven't heard anything, um, any update on the MRI, but we'll see how it goes. So 
uh, I think he was limping around, obviously, on Sunday. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I don't know a whole lot. But, I mean, hopefully I'll, I'll hear something soon from my friends, and hopefully we'll have him back this week. Yeah, Freeze's post-game, uh, post-game press conference, or maybe it was the day after, I don't remember which, um, he mentioned that uh, when they had taken him in for x-rays of the stadium, um, they were just hoping they were hoping it was an LCL strain mm-hmm. uh, and nothing worse than that. So gotcha. either way, it sounds like probably going to miss a little, a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 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 When you get, when you get carted off the field, it's probably something a little serious. Now, obviously like an LCL strains are like super serious, but it's like, you still have to take your time back cause it can be serious. So. Right. Yeah. Cool. And um, Jeremiah, what else do you have to add about the Arkansas game? Um, not a whole lot else. I know I voiced a lot of my uh, thoughts and opinions and concerns or whatever on the Twitter spaces. Um, it was a good game. Um, James touched on a lot. Um, great first half. Defense played lights out. I agree with him on the concept of defense just kind of got worn down a little bit. Um, offense was playing well. Day-Day goes out. You know, we sputtered a little bit. Um, but we got the dub. That's all that matters. In the end, we got the dub. Um, great stand-up, as James was saying. Great stand-up there to go on to uh, avoid the uh, two-point conversion to tie the game. And uh, we move on. So I'm, uh, I'm super excited. I don't always say that. I'm super excited to see what's next. And it's uh, ready to go. Kyle, put the bow on it. Yeah, so I'll just mention a couple things we touched on in the Twitter space. I don't think everybody listens to those, but, um, you know, Jonathan Bennett had a great game. Um, I still want to see more from him, to be perfectly honest. I mean, 60% completion rate. um, I want to see that tick up, you know. Um, In the BYU game, he was pushing 83%. um, Whereas, I mean, you know, there's there's a direct correlation, or not a direct correlation, but there's a pretty strong correlation between how well the team does and JB's completion percentage. Um, you look Arkansas, it's a game we win by one. His completion percentage is at one. You look Gardner-Webb, a game, another game we win by one. His, completions, his completion percentage is at uh, 56.7. Um, BYU, 82.8. Uh, UMass, 50%. ODU, 77.8. So I want to, you know, I want to see more of those results that are closer to 80% completion percentage, closer to 65, 70% or completion percentage at least. Um, as much as we, especially, especially with day day out, especially with kind of us running on a compromised running running game, um, I want to see more consistency, more mid range passes that are high percentage, um, more of those kind of dump off screens, check down. Um, kind of felt started feeling in that in the second half. I keep saying this over and over again, but it kind of felt like we were either running it up the gut for three yards in a cloud of dust, or we were trying to throw it 50 yards down the field. Um, and I just like to see a little bit more of those, you know, six yards and out kind of plays, give some guys some, uh, some opportunity in space. Um, so like I said, still, still would like to see some improvement um, from JB, but I mean, he's been, he's playing some of the best football he's ever played these last few games. So I like the direction, but I, I want to see, I want to see more. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, say my last thoughts as well. Um, just yeah, just to add to you guys as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right with JB. Um, but what is promising is the fact that he has he didn't really drop much from what BYU was from the BYU game, especially when here's the thing: 
It's his first start against an SEC team on the road. So you got to give him credit for that. Um, um, you are veiled in a lot of the criticisms that you do have of JB, and I know that uh, yours don't come with any type of uh, haste behind them. That's why we have you on this podcast. They're very constructive. Um, with that being said, uh, yeah, I, I agree with some of it as well. Um, I was listening to shout out to the Flame Central, uh, and we've already shouted out this guy, you and I personally, Joe Yock. Um, he uh, talked about how this is 100% JB's job to lose, and I agree with him. Um, but what's interesting, very, very interesting, is the fact that Caden was practicing yesterday. Mm-hmm. So was Charlie, and I know Nate's been kind of QB4, but still, it seems like the whole quarterback room is healthy right now, and that's going to be interesting. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like for this game uh, coming up, and we're about to get into that right now. Um, we talked about say, it on the Twitter. What's that? Yeah, Let me say something about Caden real quick. <laughs> yeah, um, so I, I went to the – men's basketball game today and he was there and he looked really good he was having fun like there were probably like 15 or 20 football players there and he was there having fun hanging out didn't seem to be moving gingerly at all since his surgery um he looked really good okay well that's good to know i was not at the game but i did watch it and uh go flames man oh my goodness i just want to say this one thing before we move on to the uconn game I love being a Liberty Flames fan, man, right now. It's, it's it's the greatest thing. It's the greatest choice I've ever chosen when it comes to the sports world of oh, fandoms. Yeah. You know, um, I know obviously I went there, so it's almost like, you know, I had to choose the, ch- you know, uh, shout out to uh, Will. Uh, <laughs> did Liberty <laughs> win again, as always. Um, but, um, yeah, so, yeah, with that being said, we talked a little bit about it on Twitter Space. And UConn has shocked me. And you guys will be hearing uh, TNT College Football Podcasts. Bobby, Bobby, he is uh, he's a big uh, UConn guy in the sense of he's had a lot of connections within the program. So we're actually, I'm going to be having a one-on-one with him after this podcast is over. You'll be, it's going to be one one large podcast, and. Yeah, it, they're like we talked about on the Twitter space, and if obviously if you weren't there, they're five and five, and they got two games left. One against Army, which albeit Army's not very good this year, um, they're definitely not the same Army team as last year. They came into Williams Stadium and beat up on the Flames, but uh, it is an away game, and you 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 bet your bottom dollar that they're going to want to win their six win at home against Liberty. Um, that would be huge because we not, may not be ranked in a certain poll, but we are ranked in two polls, and that does matter at number 19. And guess what? There's a lot to play for for them. They could win against a ranked team, I think, for the first time in like probably a decade and a half, and then on top of that be bowl-eligible for the first time since 20 – I forget the last time they were bowl eligible. I think like 2014, 2013. It's early 2010s. Uh, I need to validate that. But it's been a long time. I mean, yeah, the past three years they've won four games total. 
and this year alone they've won five so you know this is going to be a huge game for uconn and here's the promising thing for liberty yes it's a road game yes it's them battling for their six win to be bowl eligible but they aren't very good at passing um they have a very low pass per game average uh passing yardage per game average i think it's like 106 ish um right around in that territory and but they do have a very good run game but guess who also said that they had a very good run game arkansas and we had a ton of uh a ton of not luck but a ton of success uh against that run game uh this past saturday so there is hope out of this and jeremiah i know you're like a yukon expert right so you're gonna go up first uh, yeah. What do you expect out of this game? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know everything about the University of Connecticut. What are you talking about? <laughs> Love that. Uh, nah. Uh, I'm. Yeah, it's Jerry. It's uh, Jeremiah's favorite part of Canada. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Love that. Love that. No. Um. I have I have a little bit of concern about this game. Um, as I mentioned before in the uh, space, I definitely think this is the trap game. Because, um, like you said, they're going to be wanting to come out and get that six win, become bowl, bowl eligible. Um, you know, put, get, get, getting some success out of this season after several seasons of just mediocrity. Um, so I think they're going to want this game bad. Um, that being said, um, even though, even despite you know some injuries and some uncertainty, uncertainty with some players, I think they were going to get it done. Um, I think we're going to go in there. I don't think it's going to be easy by any means, but I think we get it done. I think, uh, you know, healthy QB room, hopefully, whoever's going to be playing, whether that's JB, whether that's Charlie, whether that's Nate, whether that's Caden, whomever, I think they're going to go in there. They're going to play a good game. I think we're going to get what we need out of this, especially the defense, especially the defense. They're continuing to play lights out, and as you mentioned, uh, we can put a lot of pressure on that uh, that passing game that's already struggling. And, again, like you said about Arkansas, Rocket Sanders, he didn't have the best game. You know, he, he did pretty well. I mean, he's a great running back. I'm going to give him a shout-out. But, you know, we were able to stifle that run game. So, I think that being said, we, we will be able to stifle this game, stifle their offense and win this game in the end. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut in here and say, like, Rocket coming to – the game against Liberty had over a thousand yards. He had sixty against Liberty, so I think we shut him down pretty well. Um, also, with UConn, um, they have not put up more than twenty-eight points all season. Our oh, defense, our defense, rarely lets up twenty. Like, yes, they've done it, but like, even against Arkansas, who had like the thirteenth-ranked offense in all of college football coming into this week, they put up nineteen, and two of those were on a block block punt that was a safety so i think our defense is up to the job obviously they have to show up they can't allow it to be a trap game um but i think our defense will handily shut down this offense as long as they go in with a prepared game plan and locked in um offensively um i think something that i'm really looking forward to is hopefully seeing tj green like actually get a chance yes um with Dede out, it's the perfect opportunity to get him involved in the run game. Like, let Shedro have the workload. Like, let him have it 20 times. But let TJ get 10, let TJ Green get 10 to 15 carries. Like, let him, let him, let him have it. Um, 
yeah, he's coming off an injury and he hasn't done much this year, but it's because he hasn't had the carries. I think he has like 15 carries on the year. Um, so let him work, um, especially against a, a defense that's not of the greatest tier. Like they've let up over 40, like I think twice over 30 a lot. Um, so like let him, let him have it. Um, and then obviously I think – I think with the ring game that we have, we'll still do well. And I, I do think JB is going to play well. Um, the receivers are really locked in. Demario, the last couple of weeks, has been playing out of his mind. Even last week, he had seven yards, seven catches for 145 yards and a touchdown. So, like, I, I think with the way the receivers are playing and complimentary, like playing complimentary football with the run game, as JB's getting into a groove, I, I think this, I, I think this Liberty team should be able to win handily. But yes, they have to come in prepared because this could very well be a trap game. Kyle, my man, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everybody. Everything everybody's been saying, like this is this is textbook trap game in terms of like what you're looking for coming off of a big game, looking forward to an in-state rival um, coming to the mountain for the first time, at least to my knowledge. Um, we know they want. We know Virginia Tech wants revenge, um, but they look very beatable. So real easy to get, real easy to get focused on next week, and that, I mean that's really, it's a trap game isn't when you're playing a team that can beat you. It's when you get focused on a team that you're not playing, and the team that you are playing beat you because of it. Um, so in that regard, like this is a classic textbook definition of a trap game. Um, that being said, I don't expect it to be a problem. Um, Coach Freeze has that locker room eating out of the palm of his hand. Um, and I, I just I don't think I don't think it, I don't think he's going to let it be a problem. I just don't think he is. Um, and I think our our team stacks up particularly well against UConn. What we do well, what they do well. Um, I think you know we win this game. We win this game nine times out of ten at least. Um, you look, they're giving up an average of three hundred and eighty four yards per game um, in combined offense, and they're only they're only racking up two hundred and ninety three, and not one of those games is against a defense as good as ours. Um, so I think we should by and large kind of have our way in this game. Like I said, they're also giving up 140 yards rushing, um, and 244 passing. So, you know, this, this, like I said, lines up with very much the way that we want to play offense, what we want to do. Um, I think, I think our defense feasts, um, I was trying to, I'm trying to remember, I, I had the number pulled up in front of me. Uh, da, 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 da. how many sacks? I think they have given up 17 sacks on the year so far. Our um, defense has 34. Our defense has 34, <laughs> including including four against an SEC offensive line yep. last week. Um, another 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 14 tackles for a loss. In addition to that, so I expect the defense to feast. Um, I expect the offense to be able to get 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 it done. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's about as far as uh, about as much analysis as really needs to be offered here. I do want to uh, real quick interject and um, give a shout out to Coach Freeze. I'm going to co- I'm going to uh, quote Coach Freeze: "Don't give in to the rat poison." I agree with everything you just said. I I do. I think it's going to be a little. I would think it's going to be you know close for a little bit. Then I think we pull away. But don't give in to the rat poison. Look, all, all I know is I don't have to play Saturday. I just get to watch. Yep. Jeremiah, what is your prediction since you're already giving out your prediction? 
Man, come on. You're going to hit me with that? Just off the cuff? There's no warning whatsoever? Really? Come on, man. Oh, man. Shoot. Okay. Ripping radio <laughs> here. Uh, well, since I had zero time to prepare, did you just dab on me? Anyways, um, let's see. Throwing it out there, I'm just going to throw out some numbers. I'm going to say, let's go 38-14 Flames. Solid, solid. James, what is your prediction, my friend? Yeah, um, they seem to – like UConn in their losses seem to put up like anywhere from 12 to 14 points. They've got mm-hmm. a loss at 12 – with 12. They actually have a win with 13 because they only let up three points, and then they've got two losses with 14. So I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to say they're going to score 13. I think they're going to score a field goal early and some points in garbage time because I think we're going to run with away with this one. Um, uh, I think it's going to be uh, 48 to 13. Kyle. I like that. Um, I want, I'm going to point out one thing before I get to my pick. Uh, we've got one, one, uh, one, one team we've both played. It's UMass. Um, in case you forgot, we put up 42 on them. Um, UConn only managed 27. Um, I, guess, I think probably the worst defense we've played all year. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking our, I really think our defense is gonna, is gonna have, um, a really good night. Um, I'm thinking somewhere in the neighborhood of five to eight sacks, um, plus a couple of interceptions. I think it's going to be a very good night. Uh, so my, my prediction is going to be, I'm a little bit more modest. I think our, our defense may struggle a little bit more than James thinks. But I also apparently think our defense is better than both of you think. So my prediction is 38 to 9, Liberty. I like it. And almost all of those nine come in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say that uh, they get one touchdown in the fourth. Get one maybe second quarter and one in the fourth. Yeah. But I like that better. I like that better. (laughs) I think it's going to be UConn scores seven points on their first drive. Nah. And then thirty-one to ten for the rest of the game. That's mine. Okay. So well, thirty-one to ten for the rest of the game, or that's the final score. So like seventeen, thirty-one seventeen, or yeah, 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 thirty-one ten. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay. Good catch there. Thank you, uh, thank you for uh, the, the uh, clarification there, Kyle. Yes. Appreciate that. Yeah, I try. Yeah. The reason why we're getting the prediction out of the way in the UConn is because I, I obviously we're going to talk about it even more with Bobby. We're going to I'm going to be able to hear a little bit more, and you guys will get to hear a little bit more about the UConn team. Um, but uh, some ranking came out this afternoon, and oh, it's been I all want, over Liberty wanna, Twitter. Before before we get oh, to no. that, I did want to mention one other thing. Just a Me small too. prediction. Mm-hmm. Uh, special teams points. I think we get special teams points in this game. They're giving up 22 yards on average per kickoff yep. and 12 on average per punt. Um, I think uh, I think we break one loose and take it to the house. Yeah, hmm. Demario, Demario or Shedra because Shedra tends to return a lot of kickoffs. Um, yep. And then I, I like Kyle's prediction of five to eight sacks. Uh, I see us getting at least six. I think we're going to be 40 sacks total in this season uh, after this week. 
Okay, so yeah, there's this poll that came out tonight. <laughs> and, um, no, I appreciate you guys about talking about more predictions and stuff. Um, and we're not ranked in the college football playoff. And to quote uh, General Palpatine from the Star Wars series, Kyle, do it. <laughs> you got the you got the you got the bleep button ready. Uh, it's going to get some heavy use here. Uh, just, just kidding. Just I mute saved, I saved, your cuss words that you I say. saved that for the I saved that for the timeline. Uh, this is this is this is this is this is ridiculous. There are twenty five teams in the college football playoff top twenty five, and we have a better record than thirteen of them. Thirteen of them. Yep. If yeah. I told you, if I just told sat you down and told you, hey, I'm just going to tell you, there's a team out here that is eight and one, and their one loss comes by one point to Wake Forest, if that is an ACC team, if that is a Sunbelt team, if it is an AAC team, if it's a Comfort USA team, I don't care who it is, they're ranked in the college football playoff poll. It's that simple, and this is bullshit. Sorry. Yeah. And if you told me at the beginning of the year with this schedule that we beat Arkansas, BYU, lose the Wake Forest by one point, and all the chaos going on with Kansas being good again, Kansas State being really good, and like all this other crazy stuff, Texas is supposedly back in their in their minds, and you're like, whoa, this is crazy. If you if if you sat me down at the beginning of the year and said those results are going to happen and you're eight and one and you're 19. I'm like, no, we got to be at least 24 or 23 in the college football playoff. Right. Nope. Not at all. And their excuses from the committee's council, uh, I think it was president that Heather Dinich put out and that Nick Pierce also asked the council man, Jeremiah put it out there. Yes. Okay. This is Liberty fans. Yeah, no, it says Liberty fans. This is for you. This is a tweet. Liberty fans, this is for you, dot, dot, dot. Quote, there was a good deal of discussion around Liberty and the win over Arkansas this past week. Strength of schedule does play into it. Close loss to Wake Forest. Um, as we're looking and evaluating everything, we want to make sure that we get the right top tw- the right 25 teams. What is Come on. That all, is right, a- all right. Hey. All right. So, like, with that statement – and their statement on the show about them saying wins matter. Prove it, you fools. Prove exactly. it. We are eight and one. If wins matter, we have eight of them in nine games. Why are we not ranked? If you're saying you want the right 25 and wins matter, and we just beat an SEC team, we ju- we lost to an ACC team that's – are they six and three, seven and two? I don't know. But we lost to them by one. Yeah. Why are we not ranked? That is some bullcrap. Hey, Kyle. I mean, seven, Kyle. 72 UCF is ranked. 22. And yeah. we're not ranked. You know who they lost to? They lost to ECU and uh, Louisville. Their best win comes against Cincinnati. Fine. Good win. But that's not the Cincinnati of last year. No, not at all. That's their only ranked win this season. Hey, Kyle. Give me, give me the same energy earlier. Tell me, tell me how many uh, teams are ahead of us with a worse record. One more time. Thirteen. There 13. are thirteen teams in the college football playoff rankings that have a worse win loss record than we do. Now, some of those teams, some of those teams are Alabama. Some of those teams deserve to be ranked even with a worse record than we do. But not all of them. Not yeah. all thirteen of the damn teams. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, 
Like, look at Notre Dame. You're going to have some work to do on this one, Ben. <laughs> like, look at Notre Dame. Like, yes, they just smacked Clemson. They should be ranked. But should they be ahead of us? I don't think so. I still don't think so. No. They have some horrible losses. They lost to Marshall. Like, how are they ranked ahead of a one-loss Liberty team whose only loss is by one to Wake Forest? Yep. Yep. I agree. Yeah. And um, another thing with that as well is, uh, I mean, you know, it's always beat Coastal. It's it's always beat Coastal. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, Coastal also has the same loss as Notre Dame as well. So I have to shout that out to him. So if that says anything, if you're not ranking Coastal, but you're ranking Notre Dame, you know, I mean, I get it. Notre Dame has had two great wins, but here's the thing. I think the only great win out of all of them is truly Clemson. I think Syracuse has been a fraud for a while. Yeah. Um, uh, and I am not afraid to say that because, I, I mean, there is – I will say this um, because I'm on a rant. I'm on rant mode right now. So since I'm on rant mode, I can have my biases put to the forefront. I'm not a big Syracuse fan. I think, uh, you know, I think I think Dino Babers is a great coach, but I've always thought they were, um, you know, whenever they come around, they have they have the worst fans in the world. They're like, oh, we don't show up to the games when we're decent, but when we're really good, we sell out the dome. Trust me, growing up not too far from there is why I have those biases. Uh, With that being said, you know, uh, I think the worst part about these rankings is Kentucky, actually. I think Kentucky's got really like being, you know, that's one of the worst parts that we haven't touched on. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, they've had two good losses, but they've also had a terrible loss to Tennessee. And I know yeah. Tennessee's a top five team, but it's a bad one. It's a bad one. They got, they got yeah, they got ran out I'm gonna, of I'm going to need you stadium. to explain to me how, how loss versus South Carolina is a good loss. Yeah, <laughs> South Carolina is pretty bad. Oh yeah, yeah. That's one of the that's one of the not not good t- losses. I'm yeah, you're right. Yeah, South Carolina, and don't get me wrong, South Carolina's had a very good team. They've only really had one bad loss themselves. South Carolina has, which was uh, what was it? Um, uh, slip in the mind here. South Carolina. I was just looking at the schedule. That's why I was like, because I was like looking, oh, yeah, Kentucky lost to South Carolina, but why is South Carolina not ranked? Oh, yeah, because of this loss. Um, they lost to Mizzou. They lost to UGA. They lost to Arkansas. Mizzou was a pretty bad loss. Mizzou was a bad loss. Yeah, yeah Arkansas was bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, Look, I, just think, I just bad, think, I just terrible. think, this is ridiculous. It, it's, it's just patently absurd. Like, yep. It's, sure. it's a middle finger to the to the group of five every single season. Every single season they do this crap. It took Cincinnati two years of being great to make it even close to the college football playoff. And, yeah, they kind of got blown out a little bit by Alabama. But a lot better teams get blown out by Alabama. Like, powerhouses get blown out by Alabama. It's like it is, it is absolutely ridiculous. It just goes to show that even today, after all the nonsense, after all the – happy talk about expanding the playoffs and trying to make the group of five, you know, feel like they're a part of the league, feel like they're a part of the system. They don't care. They don't care. They don't respect any power group of five team. If you're not a power five, if you're, if you're, if you are a middling team in a power five conference, you're going to get more serious looks with a worse record 
than Liberty is sitting at eight and one, one point away from being nine and zero. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's absurd. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, and here's the thing. I think with uh with um the committee, they should also take effect when it comes to like strength and schedule, like when it comes to non-conference games. Um, you can't control how good those teams are going to be. You can't control any of them. But, you, you, of course, you're going to play the same conference teams if you've been in a conference for long, you know. So you're going to kind of have some type of expectations. But, like, for example, like Cincinnati last year, they had to beat Notre Dame and Indiana just to get in the college football playoff. Yeah. And it took a lot of losses for them to get there. They stomped teams. They stomped teams in what was considered at the time the best G5 um, conference, um, which I still think even this year it is. Um, yeah. With all that being said – um, you know, it, two, it, it, there are it, two, there are two one-loss teams in all of FBS, us and Coastal, that yep. are not not in the top twenty-five. Yeah, that's I saw that wrong. tweet as well. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's and, wrong. And the and different thing, we have a better resume by far than Coastal. Oh, yeah. That's no, and that's not intentional disrespect to Coastal because they're our rival. That's that's just truth. Yeah, like their one loss was a blowout loss to ODU, who's three and six, and we beat by twenty eight. With our third string quarterback, with our third string quarterback, Grayson McCall, who again I think Grayson McCall is the best quarterback in G five, in, in my opinion, when it comes to pro talent. I really do believe that, um, and so I have all the respect for Grayson McCall, but he played like garbage against ODU. Yeah, and JB Liberty's third string quarterback. Balled out against ODU. Well, I mean, ODU, ODU, Caden played the first half and JB played the second. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. either way. I mean, but he's still. If, I mean, yeah, he's but still, he's still, still played great. JB still played great in the second half and Caden played yeah. great in, this, in the first half and Caden is technically our second and, string. And it, was, and it was a road game too. So, it's not like this was at Williams Stadium. It's where no. they're in their comfort zone where they could sleep in their own. I know they don't sleep in their own dorms, but, you know, they could sleep in Lynchburg and they don't have to you know, take a bus trip. Yep. So. And I mean, like, like, like I said, it's, <sighs> it's, it's the disrespect that's frustrating, not just disrespect for Liberty, disrespect for all of the group of five. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the group of five gets treated like punching bags year in, year out for the power of five and gets no respect, no respect nope. from the CFP when they do well, none. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's, you know, it all the more, all the more reason that it was important to have the guaranteed spot in the call in the playoff. Yep. That is the only reason. The only reason I think the group of five should even bother sticking around in the NCAA. Yeah. 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 Or not creating their own playoff, you know? And that's the thing. That's another reason why, again, I'm pro conference USA because let's get into a conference because guess what? They're the only ones that wanted us, unfortunately. But that will change. Guess what? This isn't forever with Conference USA. Oh, yeah. This is important to get into this because then you have consistent po- opponents and you kind of have that. And yeah. It's still going to be difficult to make the college football playoff. Don't get me wrong. But here's the thing. Then you have at least a chance to get that 12th spot, like Kyle just mentioned. And that's another thing is independent by most stand- standards, no one – no, there's 12, not eight. It's going to be 12, yeah. Yeah, they, exp- yeah, they expanded to 12, yeah. Yeah, so there's here's the thing. It, it, it's, it's at the end of the day – you know, independence isn't considered group of five. Hence, hence why, you know, BYU, for example, wouldn't be able to earn that spot. That's why they moved on to a conference, you know. Yep. And Notre Dame, the only reason why they've made the playoff is because 
they're essentially an ACC team that gets the respect by tradition to, to remain an independent. That's that's the, the thing. That's they get they get ACC bowl tie-ins and everything. So they're very they're a extremely like rare case and anomaly anomaly. If I'm saying that anomaly, anomaly. Yeah, there it is. But, yeah, anomaly, yeah, anomaly uh, in uh, the sense of independence in college football. So yeah. I, you know, that's why it's so important to get into this. And yes, I. And here's the thing, you know, this is a great schedule, great schedule. But I will say, what did draw us back, even though we won, has been the fact that we had to play UMass, Akron, Gardner Webb. And ODU's not helping. UAB, like, what's up with them, you know? And then Southern Miss getting blown out by Georgia State. Albeit, albeit, we won. So we need – you expect – those are expected wins. We're supposed to win those games. All that matters is the W at the end of the scoreboard, not the score itself, you know? So we won those games, don't get me wrong. But what we can also say is we have an SEC road win. And yeah. a great win against at home that was a blowout against a very solid BYU team who could still be bowl eligible by the end of the season. They just beat a very good Boise State team on the road. So I don't know. Make it make sense. I, I don't get it. I really don't. But, you know, I'm just playing, trying to play, try to make up some type of sense yeah. of what doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I'm going to go along the same lines as Kyle has been saying. Like, Tulane – who is one of the only like there are only two power like group of five teams in and it's Tulane and UCF right Tulane who's the highest ranked at 17 their best win is against Kansas State and Kansas State is only two behind them with three losses and you know who the loss was to you know who the loss was to Southern Miss yes that's an insult to Tulane because Tulane beat Kansas State, and now they're only two places ahead of them, and they have three losses? Come on. Like, that's another insult to the group of five. Like, what is this? Yep. Look, if Liberty – if I, I'm just going to say this. If Liberty wins this week, which we should, yeah. UCF and Tulane play each other this week. One of them has to lose. If Liberty's not in, if we win this week, that is absolutely just outrageously ridiculous. There's no tweet – explanation for that that you can even half pass logical muster yeah it's nothing more than just garbage from the cfp again yeah it, it's just so bad right now yeah well, liberty deserved to be ranked in the cfp in 2020 that is a fact that is a fact that i will take to my grave yep all right well i'm glad we got that all aired out but jeremiah has to get going so <laughs> we're going to have to wrap this up. And uh, I appreciate you guys for airing your uh, grievances. That's why this podcast is here. You know, stuff like this. I love to hear from you guys. You guys are the best. Um, again, big game coming up this week. CBS Sports Network, 12 o'clock at UConn. Go Flames and God bless. Go Flames and the committee. Exactly. <laughs>
And as I told earlier in the podcast, now it's just Bobby and myself, Ben Reynolds, uh, the normal podcast host of the Fan of the Flames podcast. Uh, Bobby, glad you're here. He's the host of TNT College Football Podcast, but uh, he also has a little bit of a connection with UConn. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, Bobby? I appreciate that. And first, I just want to say thank you for having me on. Uh, I, I, I love Liberty University and everything the school stands for. As a believer myself, I would absolutely love if my children wanted to go to Liberty, um, if they were blessed the way my wife and I were to have the potential to play college athletics and have that opportunity. I would love for them to consider Liberty. So first, I just want to say thank you for that, for having me on and show my appreciation to the university. <clears throat> then when it comes to my connection with UConn, it's a pretty complicated thing, I guess. It's a, it, it, I, I've never been to the state of Connecticut. I've never been to the Northeast even. Um, it's a, <laughs> it, it, I started my podcast a year and a half ago or so. Um, and I put a lot of different things out there. Um, I, I do this thing every off season where I break down every single team in college football and I put a lot of stuff out there about everyone and uh, some people <clears throat> connected with the UConn fan base and everything really liked what I was putting out there. So they said, hey, let's work together. And it's just blossomed into something pretty amazing. And uh, now I interview coaches, players. I've become really connected with with a lot of the guys on the team. And it's a it's a blessing. I mean, it's an absolute just thrill to be able to do it. Like I said, I, when I started this, I didn't really know much about UConn football. I did. I just, it was just kind of, uh, like I said, it's kind of a fluke thing in a way, but it's turned into something pretty amazing. And <clears throat> with the season that they're having now, I think it's just, I, I'm glad that I can, uh, kind of be a shining light for the program a little bit from a national perspective. Because I know a lot of people have uh, said some ne very negative and bad things about the program in the past, but I've I try to be super positive, and I've been that way from the beginning, and uh, I think that's just why this whole thing has come together the way it has. Yeah, and I'll be straightforward with you. With you. I was someone who was like, man, I just don't know if UConn's going to be able to, you know withstand all the stuff and to the main reason was when they left the american to go to the mm -hmm. big east i was like man and to be honest i'll be real with you it was just disappointing because at the end of the day i do love college basketball um i you know love my flames grew up a saint bonaventure fan grew up in the hometown of the saint bonaventure and i've you know i i like the tar heels and i would follow a lot of different you know but you know obviously uconn basketball team is incredible when i but mm -hmm. when i saw them give it up i was like I was like, man, going to Independence, I was just like, man, they were in such a very good conference for their football team, something that, and it, and it just was very frustrating. That's why I was like, I don't know, but Jim Mora, man, he's proved me wrong this year, and man. I really think he could build something uh, with UConn. And, um, I do think even though UConn is not a brand name as a football team, they're still a brand name as a whole. I mean, they have an iconic name with UConn. So, uh, you know, it's it's I'm interested to see um, how this program builds with Jim Mora and how they, you know, when Jim Mora eventually moves on, um, whatever that may look like. 
if it's retirement or whatever, how they build off of that. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely is remarkable. So just tell me a little bit more about uh, um, kind of the season and, you know, just some little intricate things before we hop into the nitty gritty and what kind of your thoughts on the five and five season so far. Absolutely. I mean, at, side note for myself, you talked about basketball. I actually um, am a former head women's college basketball coach and I pl- oh, wow. played too. So the, the, the transition to the football side uh, has been interesting. Uh, a lot of people always say, why football? And I'm like, uh, it's something I'm super passionate about. And maybe I got burned out of basketball, but <laughs> that's just a side note. But to go back to UConn, um, I, I, coming into the season, I mean, it just uh, obviously a one-win season last year. And the lone win coming against Yale when they could have lost on a Hail Mary play. So it was, it, it, it was obviously a very difficult season last year. Um, I watched every second of it uh, just for my podcast and my reporting and what I do. Um, it, it, it was difficult. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it was, they, it would, they were bad. They were very bad. So coming into this year, I mean, there's whenever you hire somebody like a Jim Mora, who's been to the highest level and done so many amazing things as a coach you kind of you you can kind of expect you're going to expect things to change and they've called it the husky revolution from the get-go and 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 you could see the players as i got to know the players and talk with the players and talk with the coaches you could just see the buy-in and i mean me as a former coach myself i can tell when those type of things are real and it's not fake. And so coming into this season, I was optimistic um, and which I know a lot of people weren't. And a lot of people thought I was crazy when I said that UConn was going to win six games and go to a bowl game. And I took, I took a lot of uh, flack for that, but uh, it's, it's turned into something pretty amazing for, for the fan base and for the team and for the program and, and I, one of the things that Coach Mora continues to preach and say is they're not happy and satisfied with where they're at right now. I mean, they have five wins and they expect more. And I think from the fan base's perspective, everybody's like, this is amazing. Like nobody expected this. But yeah. when you have a coach who is as good of a coach as Jim Mora is and expects that greatness from his players – and from everyone involved, it, it's a breath of fresh air, really. Um, yeah. Kind of looking at that first game of the season <clears throat> from an offensive perspective, uh, it, it's a completely different group than you're going to see um, this Saturday. Uh, Taquan Roberson at quarterback tore his ACL like five minutes into the season. Uh, so true freshman Zion Turner stepped in and he's been the lead man uh, since that point, um, Nate Carter, the running back was leading the nation in rushing, um, went down with a season ending injury himself and his backup went down with a season ending injury. And then the top four wide receivers went down with season ending injuries. Now, Cam Ross and Keelan Marion, the top two wide receivers have come back, um, Mm -hmm. kind of surprisingly, I guess you could say, and they've, 
they played last week, so it'll be interesting. They didn't play a ton, but it'll be interesting to see how much they play over the next this Saturday and then next week as well, just because their injuries were kind of something where people didn't really expect them to come back. Um, so it's it's been an injury plagued season on the offensive side of the ball. So I mean for for UConn to be where they're at right now at five and five playing a true freshman quarterback, a true freshman running back, a uh, true freshman tight end wide receiver hybrid. Um, it's pretty remarkable, I guess you could say, um, just from the perspective. And then they also, when they played Syracuse, Michigan, and NC State three weeks in a row and got pummeled pretty good, um, you, you, could, you could see that there was progress but when you're getting beat the way that they were getting beaten, it, it could have been very easy for the players to um, just quit and and just kind of go into the tank. But Jim Moore didn't allow it, and those guys, the players with the character they have, have fought um, their butts off all season. And the defense over the past month and a half has really turned a corner, and they're playing really, really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, as we talked before the podcast, uh, I mean, I knew about Taquan Roberson because being a Penn State State fan formerly, I still am, but there's my second team. And, uh, you know, I know that he was a four-star quarterback coming out Mm -hmm. of high school. Um, The problem with that was he also got recruited at the same time as like uh, the same rosters like Sean Clifford and Will Levis. And then uh, I think it was – Michael Johnson Jr., who mm-hmm. was also a four-star quarterback. So I was like, ah, you know, when he stayed around and he was the backup last year, I was like, he came into that Iowa game, and I was like, you know, this is a tough spot for him to be in yeah. right now. Um, you know, Clifford had just gone down. I'm like, there's no way. And then he kind of got left out into the, you know, the fray as the season went on because Christian Bayer, who was the true freshman, he actually stepped up as the backup. And um, then when I heard he was entering the transfer portal, I was like, you know what? Good for him. You know, um, I, I and and when I heard he was going to UConn, I was like, wow, even better for him because I think he's going to have a shot to start and play. Mm-hmm. And I was really cheering for him. And then when I heard he went down, as I, I just got informed that and, and re um, – what he's kind of remembered the fact that it was a torn ACL, not just an injury that, you know, maybe he just got injured and then lost the job. No, he's out for the season, which stinks with a torn ACL. So mm-hmm. to be honest, I was really in my season previews. I was like, man, I really, I can't wait to watch this game because I just want to see, because it's going to be later in the season. Taquan Roberson's probably going to know the offense and he's also going to be just adjusted and, I'm hoping developed, and I hope that we get a really good contest. I still think it's going to be a pretty solid contest this Saturday. Mm-hmm. We were actually talking about that before previously. And, um, you know, to see him go down broke my heart because, you know, I, I'm a fan of him. And, uh, you know, I hope he gets another shot next year um, to fight for that job because um, he's got a lot of potential. He's uh, he's a heck of a baller. So that was mostly my whole thing. And then I did watch the UMass UConn game because I am a sicko, as the <laughs> college football community will call it. I love any type of college football game, and especially when it's a rivalry like UMass and UConn. And 
Now, granted, UConn and UMass, this isn't the same teams of last year, um, but I did want to watch that type of game just because I I just will take any type of college football. And, man, I know it's UMass, but they looked very, very good on the ground. So um, tell me a little bit more about this running back here uh, and and kind of – I know that with a freshman quarterback, you guys have kind of averaged low on the pass game. Obviously, it's not just the quarterback's fault. Obviously, you have injuries as well. Um, So kind of how has that looked and um, what you kind of see out of this offense as they go in and have to play, you know, a number 19 ranked Liberty team? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, the passing game has been hit and miss Um, and probably more miss than hit, but when you have a true freshman out there, I mean, Zion Turner was a highly touted guy coming out of St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida. He won multiple state titles there, but, but still, I mean, you're stepping into FBS football and it's a, it's a different animal, especially when you're thrown to the wolves against Michigan and NC state. And, but he, he's responded well. I mean, he's, they've opened they've opened things up more which has been which has been good and i think that's because they're not playing michigan and nc state anymore um but um from the running back perspective i mean we've we've had a group of guys really come together and it, and it's funny that th- this group is doing so well because that was probably one of the position groups coming into the season that might have been one of the biggest question marks and not because of nate nate carter the starter who's out for the season. Nobody questioned that. I mean, everybody kind of knew he's the guy, but it was going to be, is there who's behind him and what can any, what can anybody do behind him? <clears throat> and it's turned into, uh, Devante Houston is super, super electric. He's a really quick running back. He broke a 75 yard run for a touchdown against UMass. Um, then there's Robert Burns. He's a power guy probably more of a fullback, uh, but he's been getting more and more touches as the season has progressed just because of what he brings to the table. And then Victor Rosa is the true freshman. He's from Connecticut. um, So he's playing for his home state and he's, he's really turned into something that I don't think a lot of people expected this so early. I, I think a lot of people kind of expected him to red shirt, gain some weight, um, but obviously with the injuries that hasn't been able, hasn't been able to happen. Um, but he's a good mixture of, of speed and power. Um, he had two touchdowns in that UMass game and kind of showed that he returns kicks and punts. He's really shifty. I I don't want to, I don't want to like compare him or put pressure on him, but he's kind of like Christian McCaffrey in a way where he has that, ability to run and catch and be shifty, but also have power. I mean, he's a really good combination of different things. So I, I, I've been pleasantly surprised by him and going into the game. I, I would, I would imagine Devonte Houston, as long as he's healthy, he's had some ankle issues throughout the season. I think he'll be the number one guy, but it, Mora, Jim Mora, and then offensive coordinator Nick Charlton have really gone with who kind of has the hot hand, whatever it may be during the game. <clears throat> and so 
Victor Rosa was that guy in the second half against UMass and he got a ton of carries and opportunities. I think he had like between 80 and 90 yards in that game. So he, he finished, finished really well in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was just looking up. I was trying to remember uh, uh, UConn's running back uh, there, uh, Donald Brown, if you remember him back in the mm-hmm. day. Yep. yep. I was like, I was like, I can't, when I always think of UConn, I always think of those old iconic C helmets and then yep. him running football. So, um, yeah, I think uh, that, and because we were talking about the running game, that's, I was like, man, what was his name again? And I was like, <laughs> oh, I had to look it up real quick. Um, yeah. So, and, you know, when I thought of UConn football for the longest time, that's what I thought of UConn football was, you know, that type of style. And it seems like they're really going back to that style of play yeah. of, you know, being able to rely on the run game. And, um, you know, I, I, I actually remember doing a little bit of research on Zion and I was like, man, he went to Aquinas, you know, that ain't, yeah. that ain't no, that is a very good Florida football team. Um, so uh, yeah, it, they, and I think they're like ranked like 13th in the nation or ninth in the nation as we speak right now. So, um, very highly, uh, touted program. Um, yeah. So swinging over to the defense, you know, um, by the way, don't feel bad to compare it to Christian McCaffrey. Um, our running back coach compared, uh, day day Hunter, who unfortunately got hurt this past game, um, to Marshawn Lynch before the season started. And I brought it up on, uh, Southern Myth show that I collabed with, and they're like, Marshawn Lynch? They were just like, <laughs> what? So, I mean, I'm not someone who's a comp guy, but, I mean, it's always good to put things into perspective that way, too. So, um, yeah, with the defensive side, um, you know, I know that they held, what, Boston College to three points. I know that they're not the greatest, mo- most highly potent ACC offense, but they still have filled Yorkovic on that side of the football. So, that one, seeing that, I was like, okay, this defense has some has some grit to them. Absolutely. I mean, these these guys have come together and gelled tremendously. Uh, the linebacking group is unbelievable. Uh, Jackson Mitchell is second in the nation in tackles. And he leads the nation in fumble recoveries. Uh, he's one of our top guys in sacks and interceptions and everything. I mean, he has he's a special player. And I, I'm not just saying this because I, I'm a big UConn supporter, but I, I firmly believe he deserves to be an All-American. Just the, at the level he's played at this year has been unbelievable. Um, then uh, one of our defensive backs, Trey Wortham, is uh, I believe he's tied for second in the nation in interceptions with four. Um, so he's he's done really well. Um, that. The defensive line has really come together um, and really solidified itself. Uh, but at the beginning of the year, the passing defense was very questionable, but it had a lot to do with the, the level of competition we were playing against. Um, but they've really turned it around. And actually in the month of October, they didn't allow a passing touchdown for the whole month. And just the, and this Friday when they played UMass, they allowed a passing touchdown. It was kind of a fluky type play. The DB kind of got turned a weird way and UMass made a good play. You got to give them credit there. Um, and it, they yeah. took advantage of it. And so it was the first touchdown pass they've allowed in over a month. Um, so wow. like I said, they, they were 
a lot of fans were really getting very concerned about the passing defense and they really, really turned it around. And like you said, that BC game to hold them to three points. I mean, Zay Flowers at receiver is one of the better players in America, honestly. And they, I think he only had six catches. So he, they held him in check. And like you said, Phil Dracovic, uh, I think he had three interceptions that game. So our defense yep. really, really stepped up and they've been doing so. Yeah. Uh, Flowers only had two, by the way. They, Not okay. even six. Okay. Okay. So even better. <laughs> even better. Yeah, and I know he had two fumbles too. I mean, it was two fumbles yeah. in the fourth quarter. So it was it was just that was a special game because it's the first time UConn's ever beat BC. Yeah. Yep, and that's a nice uh, regional rival right there. Yep. In BC. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, UConn is a. Uh, I mean, uh, like I said, a very very pleasant surprise this year mm-hmm. um i will say i will not at all be hoping that they even score a point this saturday um but i i do hope that they do beat army because i do want to see these guys bowl eligible the amount of grit on this team um it, it shocked me um i just i mean it, it's it's not even the fact that it's mora or anything like that it's just like when you get used to seeing teams you know just a year after year and um, I mean, uh, you know, you just like, uh, you kind of just like, I, I don't know what else to say about him, you know? Yeah. And I bet you that's been, uh, kind of interesting on your end to be like, well now, and, and now I'm developing these friendships and also these relationships with these players. And you're like, you know what? I see something in these guys and you saw something that no one else did, um, yeah, I also wanted to ask you the question. I saw you tweet up, uh, tweet out about uh, um, uh, Mitchell there um, about him. You got the All American ballot now, huh? Yes. Yep. I, I I've been blessed with the opportunity to be a member of the Football Writers Association. So now awesome. I get to vote for all the awards and All American team and all, all everything that's involved with that. Everything besides the Heisman Trophy. So it's mm-hmm. it's really cool um, and. Of course, I try to be as unbiased as I possibly can be. Um, I, yeah. Now I'm watching games in a much different way. Uh, I, I'm not watching them. I, I try not to cheer for teams. I mean, obviously, with the relationships I've built with UConn, I mean, I'm really, really pulling for those guys um, to have as much success as they can. But uh, like I said, I, I think... I think he's deserving of an all American nod uh, just being second in the nation in tackles. I mean, he is the absolute leader of this football team um, leads the nation in fumble recoveries. I mean, he just, he's done it all. And uh, he's really been one of the keys to this turnaround. He's from the state of Connecticut too. So his nickname is Mr. Connecticut. So he just, that's awesome. He, he embodies everything that you want. Uh, out of out of your players yeah i can imagine that uh because coach you freeze always is he doesn't really know players names he's just kind of like unless he's like you know recruited him or whatever Mm -hmm. um so he always just goes by numbers so i can imagine that he's like oh man we gotta watch out for eight yeah (laughs) so so i i am uh i'm interested to see how this uh game turns out um any type of keys to the game for UConn 
are and how you know how 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 do they slow down uh, this offense and a Demario and I mean we don't know about necessarily Day Day being back, but mm-hmm. uh, and how, how what are your keys to the game for maybe them scoring before I let you go? Well, I think one of the keys for both teams going into this game is going to be the weather. It, it looks like it's yeah. going to be uh, pretty nasty, um, so it couldn't turn into a ground and pound game, um, which for for us offensively suits us. I mean, if we have to, if it turns into a shootout, that's that's when we could could really fall short. Um, but. So I think the keys for us really, as in every game, I think we have to strike first. Um, we have to score first. We have to get ahead uh, because we're, we're just not built to play from behind. Um, not turning the ball over is absolutely huge because of so many freshmen on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I know those are pretty generic keys, but it, it honestly, that's what this – what this team and what this offense has kind of been about this year is just kind of keeping it simple. And when they've been able to do that, it's worked really, really well for them. Um, and like I said, they've opened up the playbook a little more over the past couple of weeks, which has been huge. I mean, for the fans, it's been huge too, because there's been some times where it's been very difficult <laughs> to kind of watch the offense kind of struggle a little bit, but <clears throat> they've really leaned on the defense and uh, from the defensive perspective, I mean, I think they just need to keep uh, your key guys in front and just kind of play the way that they've been playing. They've they've done a really really good job <clears throat> keying on receiver key receivers. Um, they did well. Obviously, they did really well against A. Flowers. Um, they did really well against uh, Jalen Cropper from Fresno State. So they've they've been able to key on some guys. Um, so. For my sake, hopefully they're able to do that. <clears throat> um, I I have a lot of respect for what Coach Freeze and Liberty are doing. I mean, they've done an amazing job. I think coming into this season, it was they were one of the teams where it was you didn't really know what to expect with losing Malik, and you just didn't know what it was gonna what was gonna happen. And uh, what an amazing job they've done. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's basically for UConn fans listening to this. Yeah, I mean, that's the same thing, you know, um, kind of a little bit of kind of a little bit of evaluation here. Yeah, I mean, like our defense has been phenomenal, obviously holding Arkansas the 12, I mean, not 12, 19 points, BYU the 14, which has been great. Um, But I mean, it's been really amazing to see our quarterback room, um, the way that now we're down like technically QB2, QB3, I mean, and, um, you know, how he's developed. Um, it's funny you bring up the weather, though, because I was trying to count in my head how many times I've heard that. Uh, Southern Miss, and it didn't rain. There was supposed to be a crazy amount of rain. ODU, because of hurricane, no rain. And everybody was like, oh, it's going to be a freaking absolute monsoon, and it didn't rain. And then this past weekend in Fayetteville, it was supposed to rain. didn't rain. So I'm like, huh. But the first game of the year, we were uh, home game of the year uh, for Liberty. We were like, ah, well, we'll see. And then all of a sudden, like Thursday comes along and we're like, oh, no, it was like 100 percent chance of rain. And we got poured on against UAB, which kind of worked in our favor because we forced uh, 
like three or four fumbles. But um, so that is one thing. If it does rain, our, our defense, I guess, uh, pounces on the opportunity of, oh, wet ball, let's get after it. So, um, yeah, it, it's just funny to hear that. I was like, I was trying to count while you were saying the, the weather. I'm like, is it the fourth time? Because it's all been road games, too, and then it ends up being dry. So um, I hope the same this weekend just because I'm someone – uh, who loves to see the ball being thrown. I know that's very standard nowadays. I do love a great run game, but I think with Day-Day um, being doubtful at this point, I think he's doubtful. Um, you know, it, I mean, we don't know where TJ Green is still at. He's another great running back of ours who's just been – he had the same thing. He tore his ACL in the spring, and now – he, I mean, he's been back, but he's only gotten like three carries, and it's kind of like the past few games. You're like, what the heck's going on? Is he not ready? Is he ready? And we've had to rely on Shedro um, and Day Day, but now just Shedro. So, yeah, that's going to be a very interesting part of this game is I'm interested to see how on the high of coming off of beating an SEC team on the road, now you have to go to a very gritty UConn team who only has two games to win one game Mm -hmm. and I'm sure they want to do it at home because as much as I think they can beat Army Army is not a team you want to get into a fist fight with right so this is this is going to be the game especially because beating a ranked team this year to cap it off there's a lot on the line for UConn so it does make me a little bit uh, wary say less so yeah they've this this team has broken a, a lot of uh, records and I guess curses that have been that have been on this program for a long time. They've they've done a lot of things that that would be the first first time in X amount of years. I mean, they've won three state three straight home games um, against uh, Fresno State, Boston College, and UMass. So I mean, it's 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 been huge and like you said i mean just the grit that they've shown and how hard they play and the the all the players and all the guys they they it's a brotherhood and that they, a lot of them have it on the back of their helmets and it says brotherhood back there and and it, awesome. it, it, it really is i mean it it's just a as as a fan of college football it's remarkable seeing what they're doing but as somebody who's grown close with the program it it it's a really rewarding thing to see just because you're really happy for those guys because they deserve it for what they've been through um, over the past handful of years. I mean, they won four games in four years. I mean, granted they didn't play in 2020, but still they were like four and 30 and now they're five and five in one year. So, I mean, it's just a, it's probably one of the better stories in all of college football. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Well, um, we'll cap it off at that. Um, again, Bobby, thank you again for coming on. Um, I usually like to leave this up to you. Shout out your podcast. Where can we find you? What What should we follow? I mean, I already follow and listen to the podcast, so it's up to the listeners now. Well, I appreciate that. And you can follow me personally at coach underscore be will um, or please follow the podcast at TNT College Foot One on Twitter. Um, at TNT College Football Podcast, it's all over Spotify. I mean, the the typical wherever you find your podcast situation. But um, again, thank you so much for letting me come on. I 
I think you can tell I love talking about uh, this Yukon Husky football team just because I, I, I love these guys and I love what they what they embody and what just what they've done on the field this year. Um, it, like I said, I, I have a lot of pride watching them play and succeeding the way they have been. That's awesome. And, and man, thank you for coming on. Um, it, it's always awesome to collab with other uh, like-minded uh, guys who, you know, love the new podcast and love football, but also love the Lord as well. And that's Absolutely. the most important thing. Uh, so I look forward to this continued uh, friendship and relationship. Um, and I uh, thank you again for coming on. Uh, go Flames. And, uh, you know, maybe the Huskies will pull that uh, six win out. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah.